Welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, and with me today is a fun returning guest who's mad at me because I wouldn't talk about this prior to recording. It's Scott Curland, everyone. Woo! I thought we were friends. I, I, we I are th- friends, kind of. <laughs> I'm, I told you I was, I was saving it for this. for the. Re- yeah, but you would talk to me about Barbie, but you wouldn't talk to me about this. Because... I wanted to keep my thoughts fresh and everything and not repeat myself and have you like glazed over. No, I'm not going to be glazed over. I'm running uh, on no sleep, but I'm not going to be glazed over. <laughs> and we're here today to talk about Theater Camp, the this, the movie that came out this year, 2023. Uh, it was written by Noah Galvin, Molly Gordon, Nick Lieberman, and Ben Platt. Music and lyrics by James McAllister, Mark Sonnenblick, Ben Platt, Molly Gordon, Nick Lieberman, and Noah Galvin. Directed by Molly Gordon and Nick Lieberman. Are we sensing a theme here, everyone? And according to IMDb, the eccentric staff of a rundown theater camp in upstate New York must band together with the beloved founder's broy son to keep the camp afloat. Okay, I have a question right off the bat. I've yeah. been spelling it wrong because I spell theater with an R-E, not an E-R, and that's what this movie does. It spells it with an E-R. Yeah, I think they did that on purpose. Theater that way is movie theater or, you know... E-R is movie theater. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, I mean, this whole movie has about is about pretentious people. Yeah, but... So why not R-E? The- they also use that for like like local children's theater too. So that might be why they do it. Or they just might be assholes. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, uh I mean <laughs> so full disclosure, this movie I mean, th- this whole press tour made me not a huge fan of Ben Platt anymore. What? Uh, because the big thing right now is Nepo Babies, which I I don't have a horse in the fight. Um, my parents aren't famous. Uh, I'm not famous. I'm a mediocre podcaster at best. Um, I mm-hmm. have a huge fan base overseas in the UK, Australia, in the Midwest. I'm not. I'm, I'm not selling out South Africa, apparently. Yeah. So I have no horse in the Nepo Baby fight. Like, I don't. OK, I understand that people are like, oh, it's a bad thing. But, like, at the same time, look at a lot of the people who come from famous royalty. We have Carrie Fisher, Billy Lord, Jamie Lee Curtis, like... Liza Minnelli. Liza Minnelli. I mean, that's just too obvious. You you just talked about Liza Minnelli. I know I did. That's why it's on my mind. Liza with a Z, baby. It's not a bad thing. So, in the interviews, anytime... Uh, you read the article I gave you, right? From from uh-huh. Rolling Stone. Yeah. So, what we're talking about, dear gentle listener, is that Ben Platt was asked in an interview about 
how he felt about the whole term. It wasn't like you're a nepo baby. Talk about that. It was it was like, how do you feel about Hollywood? You know, polarizing the term nepo baby. And he's like, we're gonna skip over that, okay? And then they tried to bring it back up, and he's like, I'm not talking about this. His dad is Mark Platt, and if you don't know who Mark Platt is, he produced Legally Blonde, Legally Blonde Two, Josie and the Pussycats, Wanted. He also did Drive, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, Two Guns. Uh, he also did Dear Evan Hansen, which starred Ben Platt. Yes. The 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 show. I don't know. Wait, did he also do the movie? I think he did the movie. He did the movie. He didn't do the Broadway show. The Broadway show was Scott Rudin. However, looking at this list, the, the movie that made Ben Platt famous and got him recognition is, first off, he ended Pitch Perfect. Guess who did not produce that? Guess who had no help in the casting? Mark Platt had no help in the casting whatsoever. Right. Even though he was at Universal, he didn't even push his son for that. He had nothing to do with that. He had nothing to do with the fact that he got Book of Mormon. Ben Platt got those on his own merit because his dad, going back to what we're talking about, sent him to theater camp where he learned how to sing. He learned how to dance. He learned how to do everything. So just answer the fucking Nepo baby question. You got it on your own merits. You didn't get it, you know, based on your dad. The fact that I mean, the last name also probably helped a little, a little, a little. Not really, because like, I mean, it could have, but. Jamie Lee Curtis didn't get all the stuff because her dad was Tony Curtis or because her mom was Janet Lee. She she got it because she had a good personality. She worked really hard. She attended college. Same thing with Ben Platt. He attended college. He attended theater school. He did everything he had to do. I think the Nepo baby question just has to do with more of the Paris Hiltons and Kim Kardashians. Mm. And even even we can't say that about Paris Hilton anymore because she actually went to college, got her MBA and became apparently I know a lot about celebrities. You've done a lot of research on Nepo babies and you're on a podcast, a musical based podcast talking about it. Well, because it's like this, this is the whole thing that's setting this whole press thing, because um, three of the four leads in this movie are technically Nepo babies. Molly Gordon, her dad and mom are very famous. Um, uh, executives in Hollywood. Okay. And same thing that. with Noah Galvin, because they all went to this theater camp that, that Adirondacks is based on. It's not Stage Door, right? No, or... it's the other one. French Woods? French Woods. Yeah, I wrote yeah. in my notes, don't talk about Stage Door the whole episode twice, so... Right. They they went to French Door because that was Beanie Feldstein, Noah Galvin, Ben Platt, and uh, Molly Gordon. And I'm shocked that Beanie Feldstein is not in this movie. Well, this is probably when she was doing Funny, Funny Girl. Girl. Yeah, I think the part of um, Io uh, Edbeardi's character, I, I just oh. butchered her name from uh, the bear. from the bear. Uh, what's her name? J- not Janet, or is it Janet? The one, the one who stage combat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that character was supposed to be played by Beanie. Janet is the is the character name. Yeah, Io is amazing in it. I so th- this movie has if you're a big fan of the TV show The Bear, if you're a big fan of Dare Evan Hansen, and <laughs> uh, there there was a third one too, um, uh, Big Mouth. <laughs> like if you're a fan of of like this has all that stuff, all those people and Amy Sedaris. <laughs> oh, and, and um. Uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Book of Mormon. 
Yeah. Yeah. There are two Evan Hansons and two Elder Cunninghams in this movie. I need to start off the bat by saying, I I say that as we're like 20 minutes in. Uh, (laughs) 10 minutes in. But yeah. Noah Galvin in this movie is my MVP. He is so fucking good in this. Well, I absolutely it, love him in this. It, it's interesting that like he's the one that's top build. I was more so concerned about um, not Ben Platt's um, viewpoints on being a Nepo baby or the term Nepo baby, but I was but like his partners. But also, I was just like, there's parts of this movie where like I feel like it's you're not playing a character; you're just being you. Mm-hmm. I mean, because yeah. like the whole thing is. The whole movie is clearly devised. There are parts where you can tell that it's improvised, uh, but there is a script because mm-hmm. I don't think they were going for like the Christopher Guest model of what this movie was. No, but if, that's what it they're feels saying too in scripted. Yeah. But like, there's moments where like you can tell that they're just they were like, okay, we're just gonna riff for like twenty minutes t- until we get like the lo- the comic right. line yeah, or something yeah. book smart is the other one if you're a big fan of the movie book smart there's oh, a ton of people yeah. books from book smart in this movie um yeah because what i love that they do the opening credits it says starring ben platt ben platt is built first in the opening credits and so is molly gordon but then in the end credits because you realize that this is noah galvin's movie He's built first at the end, which I thought was pretty genius. I also like really appreciated that like Noah's character was a sneaky lead. Yeah. Where like they they built up this thing where like you um you see the montage of classes where he's teaching them how to do a spotlight. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> I mean, okay, did you for first of all and again, we're like 15 minutes in now. Uh, did you go to a theater camp like this or did you go to any camp like this? I did. That's why I asked to be on this one, because I did musical theater day camp, which is more abridged. Yes. And, yeah. But it's more intense. And I, I was telling you the story when uh, you did Roger Rabbit on Bagel Basket. Um, so I auditioned. They did. Aladdin. This was before years before the the Broadway show. This was when they were workshopping a show and they were combining the actual Disney animated movie. It was just some rinky dink Massachusetts Central Mass theater camp. And I worked really hard on my monologue. I worked really hard on my song. I kind of did what uh is the character's name Devin, the one who sang Post Malone? Yes. Okay, so I sang Thunder Road by Bruce Springsteen and E Street Band. It's one of my favorite songs. My dad used to sing it to me when I was a kid to get me to sleep. It had a lot of sentimental meaning. And I worked really hard. I even brought in a little harmonica to do the opening. And I thought I did great. And then the kid who got cast as Aladdin, he sang the national anthem. He didn't sing Radiohead's national anthem. He didn't sing anything, you know, creative. He just sang, you know, the Star Spangled Banner. They're like, bravo. And I'm like, fuck this kid. I I literally stood up and I got in trouble because I said, fuck you. I was like nine or ten. I was like, like, fuck this. Fuck this. Fuck this. 
so, and I didn't get the genie based on it. I got the Sultan. So I didn't go to Stage Door. I only worked there. And people who listen to the podcast know this because I say it a lot. Uh, but I was just like, had a floodgate of memories reopen while watching this. Like, there's so many little things that I don't know if you picked up on, but I know because as a staff there, we were told that like, camp is a safe space for the kids and so with the styling of the kids in the movie i understood that because like they they would tell us at camp like people would come in the kids would come in they would dress conservatively uh say goodbye to their parents go up to their room and then change into like what anything you know like um become uber goth or like you know uh the boys will be in skirts or something like that so kimonos but like to see the the three main uh kids you know the two christophers and what was his name devin no the sebastian i believe who was the one that played um conrad in bye bye birdie Oh, that kid from uh, he was in uh, Sack Lunch Bunch. Yes, he because like he had like little turquoise eyeliner the whole movie. And I was like, I see you. I understand that like this is your safe space and everything. So I like really appreciated those little details. And like there is there was moments where I was just like, oh, my God, this reminded me so much of my time at Stage Door. And what's fascinating for my personal journey, because I'm going to be very selfish right now is that I saw the movie camp 20 years ago when I was a theater kid mm-hmm. and I was a theater camper and I'm seeing this now as an adult after working at stage door. And I was like, this is like perfect for like my journey. And like, right. I, I'm sure you, your journey as well. If you saw camp way back in the day and now you're seeing this as an adult you're like okay this is like this it's interesting because i feel like amos and um what rebecca uh, diane rebecca diane so funny i love that Uh, i feel like amos and rebecca diane were in camp and now we're seeing the them as adults rebecca diane is pretty much anna kendrick's character uh but like not so (laughs) it's like like if she mellowed out yeah yeah or she wasn't that intense as a kid because she had i I can tell rebecca diane was intense as a kid yeah but i don't think she would poison somebody for a role no i I, amos would like amos amos would for sure like what watching this movie i was like oh my god ben platt is like robin williams harry like like there's that scene where he's doing his laundry and I'm like Also, wow. what's his what's his deal with that one camper? Um I don't I what? don't know, but I had theater flashbacks because I had a theater teacher who treated me the way that he treated Darla. Her name's Darla, right? Yeah. Like like I had a theater teacher who who basically um one time we were in between like a double header of shows and I took a nap in the the green room of the theater that we were in and I I slept on my back so that I wouldn't smudge my my stage makeup and she goes you know they say that people who sleep on their back are conceited and I was like 
Fuck you. <laughs> I just don't want to reapply. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so I was like, I'm like, I'm about to have no lines in Once Upon a Mattress. I have to do a lot of pantomime. I was King Sextimus the Silent. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I'm about to have no, I have a lot of work to do. I am not applying this again. (laughs) So this movie is, I feel like it is like camp where it's not necessarily a musical, but it's about a music, like a musical or musical theater. I was thinking about this, Johnny. I think the first two thirds are not a musical. Halfway through the second act, you have all of them performing their songs. But then the last third of this movie is a full-out musical because they are doing the show from start to finish. It's waiting for Guffman, basically. Yeah, it literally is waiting for little little Guffman. <laughs> little Guffman. Um, but like, because they they do a devised piece, which means like they created it, and I was like, this is kind of like a sim like similar to like the movie as a whole where like you could tell because like it's based off of the movie's based off of a short film that i cannot find anywhere i saw it once when i attended the boston independent film festival do you remember it it's pretty much what we saw i can't remember if noah galvin's character is as meek as he is in this and then but it's the it's the same beats pretty much Okay, so then they create this move, this show called Joan Still, which is about uh, Amy Sedaris's character, who within like the first three minutes has a seizure and goes into a coma, coma which, which is hilarious. I I related to the middle school production of Bye Bye Birdie because my middle school did Bye Bye Birdie, and I was the understudy. I was originally going to play Albert but they realized they had no one to be understudies for anyone else. So the director who is like my, who's like part of my extended family, she's, you know, really close with my mom goes, is it okay if I make you the understudy for everyone else and give you a smaller role? And I'm like, I want four smaller roles if I'm going to do this. So I was the understudy for Albert Conrad, Mr. McAfee. Holy shit. uh, Who's the other, the boyfriend. Yeah, I don't know his name, but I know. Yeah, so I was four understudies. Like you look at at the the playbill, and it basically said understudy, understudy. And then I was Ed Sullivan. I was the bartender. I was the mayor. And were you a kid in the? I was Harvey Johnson. I was the nerdy kid. Yes, I was like five or six different roles, and then five. Um, understudies because i have an eidetic memory and i can i pretty much had the entire script memorized so then like opening night i realized that i wasn't going to get to play any of these roles and then i was backstage trying to you know cause chaos so i could get on stage no i'm kidding you were trying to show girl somebody weren't you no i was uh doing a camp <laughs> oh okay i was i was a young anna kendrick but so no. they, they create this what and i also like that in the first two thirds, as you said, that is basically just a movie. Um, you're seeing them build Joan Still. Yep. Um, and it pays off because you you see like uh Amos and Rebecca Diane like 
writing a song and they're like okay this is the it's a tap number we're going to tap and everything and then it pays off because you see noah galvin spoiler i should put a i'm gonna put a spoiler alert at the beginning of the episode because it is so new but like you see noah galvin at the end tapping his fucking face off yep so the the musicals i was getting at from joan still is it goes from fiddler on the roof to how to succeed in business without really trying yeah then it goes pretty much into like a 90s musical like a rent or a dear evan hansen or or some sort of sad like because the end the end song about the camp and sun salutation which i will say right now sun salutation in a theater made me cry and i wrote down there were i had to drive from my house like 45 minutes because this is not playing anywhere around me. There are six movie theaters around me. None of them were showing them. I had to drive very far to see this movie. And in the theater, there were six other people. And I was like, this better be good. I had to sit through Maria Menounos's awful Fran Drescher laugh. <laughs> yeah. Did you see the newbie? Did they have the newbie in front of yours? With, with, with... Oh, yeah, because I'm assuming you went to an AMC. I went to a Regal, which is technically oh, yeah. yeah. But but uh now with Maria Menunos, I guess her whole thing is she has an annoying laugh now. But so you cried during Sun Salutation. I cried only during Noah Galvin's version. I, I didn't give cried a shit again. The, the second time during Campus Isn't Home. Oh yeah. Because I was home? what? Is it Camp Isn't Home or Camp Is Home? Camp Isn't Home. That's weird. Why would you call your song that? Because that's what they say in it. But it, but it, like, it brought up, again, those stage door memories. It brought up when I went to a, a camp for the arts as well. Because, re- I mean, really, yeah, this is mostly about the adults. But, like, A, the kids are fucking fantastic in this. As I said before, three kids from Sack Lunch Bunch are in this. That's right, that one kid. Because I know that one, uh, the the kid in the wheelchair who's not really a big part. I remember him in thirteen, and also yeah. the 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 giant kid is in thirteen as well. Yeah, so one that was on the America's Got Talent. So the the kid who who was Conrad Birdie Sebastian. Uh-huh. was in Sack Lunch Bunch. He's saying, I saw a light uh, a white lady crying, and I think about it once a week. And then the girl who was young, Joan, was also in Sack Lunch Bunch. And I think I think it was Darla. One, one other kid is in Sack Lunch Bunch, because I looked it up. There are three kids from Sack Lunch Bunch in this. Not the, not the kid in the wheelchair? Maybe. Then there's four, but there's at least there's someone. No, from... sorry, the kid. Sorry, the kid in the wheelchair is only in thirteen. The musical as well. So that is Jonathan Langall and um, Luke Islam was in thirteen. The musical, which if you haven't seen thirteen, by the way, those kids are working hard. I um, I haven't seen it because as a young Jewish man, I don't want to have. Bar mitzvah Flash, flashbacks. Flashbacks. That's fair. Um, because I but, told you, I told you that story about how awful my bar mitzvah was. About how the DJ found out the name of the girl I had a crush on and called her up to dance with you me. Didn't in front tell of me her. this. 
Well, if you listen to my podcast, Writer's Bagel Basket, um, I tell the story. Okay, so my bar mitzvah. I had been practicing all summer. I had a crush on pretty much someone who was like my best friend since we were little. The DJ found out, I'm guessing from her boyfriend or one of the, the other mean kids that I invited because I was trying to be cool. Spoilers, I never became cool. <laughs> so... The DJ goes, okay, we're going to have a snowball dance. Will the bar mitzvah boy come up here? And usually with a snowball dance, the person gets to pick the person they're going to dance with. And I was going to play it cool. I was going to walk around, see her, and then go next to her friend and ha- dance with the friend. Then when they call snowball, dance with her. But no, this fucking DJ calls her up and goes, he's got a crush on you. And then plays Kiss Me by Sixpence None the Richer while we're slow dancing in a circle in front of all of these people. It was awful. Oh. So, no, I will not be watching 13 because I. <laughs> oh. So, I'm only really seeing one kid that was in Sack Lunch Bunch. I thought there was at least two, two or three. There probably are. I'm just. I just while you were telling your story, I was going through IMGB. <laughs> um, but the one that played young Joan Bailey Bonnick. Um, what do I know her from? She she's from something. She was in Young Rock for two episodes. No idea what that is. Oh, the TV show about Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Uh huh. I thought it was like a Nickelodeon show, like like an iCarly something I've never heard of. <laughs> no, and that's really it for now most of these kids the look stuff. like they belong in the uh, sack lunch bunch oh yeah but like it it's interesting because like these a lot of these kids actually have credits like like whether or not we heard about it is another story but like they have a lot of credits uh i usually find on movies like this with a lot of kids that they this is like their first project yeah, and that that's like the complete opposite for this one, which is interesting. I'm here for it though, and usually I don't like kids in movies, but like these kids like understood the assignment. It's because these are theater kids. These are theater camp kids. These are, <laughs> these are kids who are going to like you know, Minute Maid Juice commercial auditions every like Monday and Tuesday morning, where their parents just Darla you know, basically Darla in the movie. I gotta say, I did not care for Ben Platt's character in this movie, but like, He's the when work. it, but when it came to Darla, I kind of got a she's she's gonna screw them over vibe, and she did. She ended up leaving, and and I was like, uh, he was right. I hate that he was right, but he was right. But like, it, it seemed like to me, all the kids were willing to learn, um, except well, uh, even Devin, who. Like he's the fish out of water. He's yeah. His he's whole big thing is camp where he's like, I like theater. I I love when he comes out to his his two dads as straight, and they're like, we've always known and we accept you. Um, I'm also a little confused with what was the other one? Camp Lakeside. Yeah, yeah. Is that also a theater camp, or is that just like no? A- no, I think it's like like on in heavyweights where you have the fat camp and then you have the sports camp. Okay, so this is, but it's not a sports camp. I think it's just like a sleepaway camp where they. I, I think it's do, a rich kids camp 
where they basically do everything and then yeah. there's like a theater program because it seems like they talk about they don't have a theater program that they, they were gonna steal uh, the kids uh, from uh, yeah okay but yeah that 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 brings me to patty harrison who i love patty harrison she is the hedge fund person who seduces um he's great although towards the end during jones still i found her character a little too much yeah because you've seen this twice maybe i'm reading this wrong is she trying to like get in his head and be like it sucks or is she like still trying to flirt with him and and get him back get in its head and says it sucks okay to be like you're gonna lose you're losing we're winning why are you even like and that because well, that... there's one time where she flat out like is trying to get him back no or... i think i think it was just she was trying situations. any any sort of way to get the camp so she slept with him <laughs> and that's how she ended up getting him to sign the contract but um i i hate i hated this the um the big climactic scene how it ended with them coming in to demolish the theater and it's like why are you i get it that they probably couldn't figure out how the scene ended should end um, and how like all this stuff has to come forward, but I was like, do you really have to like rip up stuff and say contradictory things to what's happening? Yeah, because as as Troy po- pointed out, it's only if they foreclose if the bank forecloses. Uh, Will Ferrell as the bank manager. Did you notice that was Will Ferrell's voice? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, that was Will Ferrell's voice. He is. This is a uh, Gloria Sanchez Productions. This is his company. Well, so Patty, but like Patty Harrison brings in the peep, brings in the construction workers. They start demolishing, and they're and but then it's she, not in foreclosure yet. <laughs> like, but the, but then she says we're, we'll start renovation in a week, and I'm like, so why did you start renovating now if you're gonna do it in a week? They were trying to see what what would easily come apart. I, I don't it's know. stupid it, it, it's bad writing yeah. yeah yeah it was like we have to finish the scene how are we going to finish the scene there's a there's a child with a there's a girl with an open snapple there's a boy looking t- <laughs> yeah. like that is i mean i'm not am i right in saying that them writing joan still is basically them writing this movie yeah hard agree um and not a, but like Obviously, the movie, they took the time, they figured out their characters, there is this other thing, and I feel like maybe them writing Jones still is a parody of that, but, like, it felt the same in a way. Yeah. Gave the same. It, it's like that, the, um, that trend on TikTok, which is like, what are two clips that give the same vibe or something, and yeah, that's what this is, like, the... the- them writing the show and then them writing the movie is like a similar vibe. <laughs> so what for me, the two best characters in this movie are are Noah Galvin as Glenn. Because as someone who has been both an actor and stage manager, I was like, oh I I I feel this hard. Like this this hits way too close to home. Literally it 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 hit a nerve. It struck a nerve with me. I'm like, yeah, I've been like going back and forth. 
And then the other one who I absolutely loved was Nathan Lee Graham as Clive DeWitt. Oh. <laughs> the choreographer I mean, extraordinaire. I have, I have to say, Noah Galvin, his character is great. But then, like, a lot of the supporting cast members, besides the children, the supporting adult actors, like um, Nathan Lee Graham, Owen Teal, um, oh, crap, what was it? Io. Io. Um, I'm looking for Caroline Aaron. I'm oh, my th- God. Caroline Aaron. Aaron. Like, I, I, we pretty much just finished Maisel, Mrs. Maisel, and seeing her all, like, aged and look, you know, like, 1960s tired in that, and she looks great in this. She looks amazing. I mean, and she's hilarious, and not, and it it seems effortless. I I love her and Clive in the theater watching Joan still, and they're like, the the screen comes down for the live stream and they're like oh my god she looks so she has lost weight but like i loved her during the auditions when she would be like uh and uh and coming up is devin he (laughs) should just say something a random fact about them and i was like that's amazing because like i don't know how many of like it's new kids versus returning kids yeah seems like there's a lot of returning kids this year so like these people do know them but also just so funny the other thing too that got me really angry in a way and it's so dumb is that it felt like there's only five adults in this movie and they're watching after all these kids and i'm like how 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 are you watching all these kids there's a lot of kids here yeah you're doing like five shows there's a lot of kids there's I know there's more seven. than I know that I'm, I'm exaggerating, but like no, they no, also... you're not exaggerating by that much. There are only seven adults watching these kids. They and then do, the lunch ladies. They do mention that like Troy had to fire people, but I was just like, we're just the counselors, like not the artistic staff, but like also who's directing the crucible junior or the cats immersive. Yeah, I wanted to see those productions. I wanted to see Crucible Jr. and I wanted to see Cats Immersive. They, when they were doing the announcements, there was one show that I was like, I don't under, I don't know what this is. It was something about like Lisa losing her passport or something like that. Fuck, lost it. But I don't know what it is. So call to action to everyone who's listening. If you know it, please let me know. The socials are at the end. Uh, <laughs> so going back to Joan Still. You say that they were pulling reference. I I understand they were pulling references from other shows and everything, but like the song "Women Cannot Read," did we need that? <laughs> Could they have done something different? Yeah, no, that that was really bad. But, like, like and- the Studio Fifty Four scene with the with the feather boa going into the nose as cocaine. I'm here for that. I'm that here. was hysterical. That was That's really hilarious. Yeah. And how she's trying to save them from doing blow, which. Yeah. Okay. So when they reveal that it's Noah Galvin as adult Joan, uh, it took me a minute to realize that it was, it was Glenn because I thought it <laughs> Noah Galvin looked like a young Jane Fonda. And that face was big. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like, was it just me? 
Noah Galvin looked like Jane Fonda from nine to five. And I think they did that on purpose. Yes. Well, but, especially when he put the glasses on, he didn't look like, I don't know who it was, but I was like, this is, you're not going for Amy Sedaris. And it didn't look like Jane Fonda either. Like at the end, like uh, at the end when we're at like almost present. Oh, day. Diane Keaton. It looked like Diane Keaton. Thank you. Okay. Because as soon as, as soon as uh, they start doing sun salutation and we're in the final stage of Joan's life, I'm like, okay, we go from Jane Fonda to Diane Keaton and baby boom. Like, um, I do want to give one fun fact that I don't know if you know this. Probably not. <laughs> so Tim, the character is played by, Jonathan, I'm gonna fuck up this last name. Uh, it it Turaga de, Sal- de Silva. Mm-hmm. He's uncredited because he was the electrician on the movie. Oh, he's not an actor. He's not really an actor. No, I'm looking at his IMDb. He's mostly like Gaffer uh, and like uh, yeah. Uh, camera and electrical department is mostly his and he is also a director well doing like shorts and stuff but i was like his his character arc like they they what i was wondering do you think that the reason why he did the airbnb at the camp is because this was his way of getting clean and saying this was his 12-step program this was his rehab probably or like maybe he he was thinking about making an investment in it I don't think he was ever thinking of making an investment. I think probably because, as it said at the end, the play hit close to home for him as a Wall Street uh, broker with a cocaine problem. problem. I what the 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 story that I made up in my mind is like his family is like, you need to Tim, you need to get clean, and he's like, oh yeah, I'm going upstate to to a facility rehab facility up in the Catskills, and like he I just rent- giving more backstory than they did <laughs> well i am right <laughs> <laughs> my backstory because my backstory he saves the camp well i also have to say that like there was a lot of lines that i wrote down it was so funny yeah like, uh when Gigi says uh in the auditions it says you're allergic to polyester why <laughs> okay they talk to these kids like they're adults yeah because Clive and that, has and a- I, that's why i really appreciated this movie because like again stage door they are adults like we're yes we're they're kids and like they have camp time and everything but like when they're in rehearsal and when they're in classes they are there to right. participate and to learn Clive has a line where he's talking to these kids about their future. Some of you may be dancers and other of you, others will be in a, a cage in go-go boots dancing for dollar bills. <laughs> that, that line got me. I'm like, you're talking to children. <laughs> like, Also the costume history when he's like the vagina sleeve. I went, how did you get away with that? But funny. Cause obviously like these kids are industry kids one way or another or they're going to be industry kids and so well if you think about the rotary dinner where where troy rents out the place to the rotary club 
and the kids are doing monologues and talking about the child that they lost the little <laughs> one the yeah. teeny the teeniest little one or um when rebecca diane who's a mystic as well sure yep. go with it this um, is your last life this is your la- like when she tells them that i was like you're an old soul that's or uh even um when they're doing rehearsals for Joan still and they're like uh you're gonna we're gonna break you and then build you back up it's like you're you're saying this to the kids i mean i I've, know they're not like i've literally had that said to me and i'm like i am 12 the the other thing is the going back i'm not trying to harp on you know because it's probably my favorite song in the whole thing but sun salutation that's because at these theater camps, I don't know if if when you were at stage four they did this, but every morning we had to do sun salutation. We had to do that yoga pose. We had to do that yoga exercise. Every theater class I've ever taken always starts with us doing that to get warmed up and, you know, in shape. I wouldn't be surprised if the kids were doing that, if the staff made the kids do something like that. Um, I was playing in the costume, <laughs> yeah, yeah. costume shop. <laughs> I was I was a little busy. <laughs> well, I love during the mixer when one kid goes up to another kid and then just slaps them across the face and Io just goes stage combat. I'm like that's that's not stage combat. Like they wouldn't flat out hit the person. They well, hit... that's the whole point cuz Io right, right. lied the whole time. <laughs> Her scenes where she's like masks. <laughs> No, seriously, what is it? Can somebody give me a definition as to what stage... Con- like, that was fucking hilarious. So the the last three weeks has been I.O., 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 because I watched I watched The Bear twice, because yeah. The Bear is one of my favorite shows. Then I watched this. Then I I just saw the new Ninja Turtles movie, and she plays April, April, and she's great in that, too. Like, she is everywhere, and she has another movie coming out in a few weeks called bottoms which is about her and rachel senate from bodies 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 and shiva baby starting a fight club <laughs> she was also in uh, a recent episode of black mirror she was in spider-man across the universe she's of she's the voice of harriet tubman and clone high yep like, i i've had i had a great 2023 it looks like i had a very io summer Like, if you look at her IMDb, almost everything is from this year. Yeah, because what happened in 2020 or 2021, she took over Big Mouth and as Missy. And then she got the bear a year later. And then they saw her. And last year, they just started casting her in everything. Yeah. Good for her. She's like... oh. Abbott Elementary. Uh-huh. Yeah, she's she's uh um Janine's sister. Yeah, I don't watch that. And she was in History of the World Part Two as well. Yep. yep. With with uh what's her name from um Quinta. Oh Quinta Brunson. I thought you were tying it to this movie as well. No. Um <laughs> but like I don't even know what we were talking about before we got into IO, but this is 10 out of 10. I mean, I saw it twice in theaters. I it's would... one of my favorite movies of the year. Like, it's I'm... really well done. And all... we haven't even talked about I... Jimmy Tatro. Okay, so when 
when they do sun salutation when it's um Noah Galvin. No, Darla. Oh, okay. That's also an emo- I I got a little emotional during that scene cuz I was just like he's like seeing everything for the first time. Like he's seeing um his mom, he's seeing these kids re- like he's really seeing the these kids. And I, so I love his face when Darla goes, "It's an honor playing your mother." Does she have a dream journal that I can read? And he's like, I'll get back to you on that. But like that that scene when he's doing when they're um when he's having an emotional moment during Sun Salutation and he talks to Rebecca Diane, I was just like, How is no one seeing that he's struggling? Are they so selfish? Because Uh. that's the whole thing. Like the thing that drove me crazy about Ben Platt, about uh Amos Amos, is that he keeps going not now not now um first off you know troy is technically in charge of you every that's the one thing everyone keeps forgetting he's trying to keep this place alive and you don't care they don't care they they just want to keep doing what they're doing and and it is working but troy just wants to save the camp for his mom because it's clear that he had a falling out with her. There's so much subtext in this movie. There's so much, like, you know, below the surface. And Troy, that's why when people ask me, you know, what did I love the, the most in this movie? And I say, Noah Galvin, Nathan Lee Graham, and Jimmy Tatro, because he has to be the straight man. He has to be, you know, trying to do these things. And then chaos goes around him. His whole conversation with Glenn at the beginning when Glenn talks about, you know, we have to take money from, we can't use the mics for the straight plays. We have to. What is a gay play musical? Like that. I lost my shit during that. But, but I love Noah Galvin's delivery for most of these things. When he's talking, he has no confidence when talking to anyone, even the person who's supporting him like Troy. And he's like, Oh, uh, well, well that, that, that would be a musical. but like like, uh, but then when um uh troy and caroline like like have their first scene and um glenn is just there you know he's being very passive aggressive putting stuff in between them i was like oh "Oh, this is also funny in a different way we're like you're not using your words to get in there to make them stop this conversation you're just literally blocking them yeah because i love that glenn right away glenn sees how important troy is glenn glenn sees troy period because because you know they're kind of kindred spirits and i love that troy believes in glenn so much that so you saw it a second time answer me this in the scene with with glenn doing his little dance number which we haven't even talked about how amazing his whole spotlight. spotlight. Yeah, the spotlight dance is incredible. It's incredible. It's just really good. And everyone's like, wow, that was amazing. Is Troy in the background? Does Troy? I I feel like Troy's in the background. I didn't back- see Troy. I was a little too busy laughing my ass off at Lainey, the kid who is like the little prote- Glenn's little protege. Oh, the one who says, let's do this, bitch. <laughs> Yeah, or um, I lost it both times. 
when she says and cue cocaine <laughs> i'm done i mean that that's like a, a an amazing thing because in theater you realize you get to say the weirdest sentences you like severed you sh- head you string together words that shouldn't go together but it makes sense in yeah. the context that you're talking about but i feel like troy was in the background and troy has been seeing how talented glenn is troy believes in everyone in this camp but i feel like he feels a connection to glenn well because glenn is the only one that will talk to him well as an adult well uh what's her name uh we'll talk to him too uh Rita? caroline and aaron's character mm-hmm. yeah and i mean janet uh io like but the artists rebecca diane Amos. Uh, yeah clive i love how he says his name my name is clive dewitt there's no h in there <laughs> like he does the cool whip thing i feel like Gigi is just indifferent like I don't think I love Gigi. Their own little G- world. I think they don't care. I think as long as the bills are paid, and and if it's about getting paid, <laughs> Gigi will talk to Troy. I I think I need to stop the conversation to get into Shrep and Flat now. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. It's I okay. know, but like because we would literally sit here for the next three hours and just talk about how much we love this movie. So. Let's get into Sharp and Flash, shall we? Yep. Sharp Flat. So in this section, we're going to highlight some moments, whether or not we talked about it. If we liked it, it's sharp. If we didn't like it, I thought it could change. It's flat. And because we were giving such a love fest to this movie, I want to start with flats. Yeah. Um, My first flat is Amos. Yeah. Amos and Rebecca Diane, I feel, are the weakest two characters in this movie. And with Rebecca Diane, I think it's because Molly Gordon didn't realize how hard it is going to be to direct right, the movie. direct and star in it. Yeah, because I feel like you can't talk about Amos without talking about Rebecca Diane. Well, so Amos, I don't think, really learns anything. At least Rebecca Diane, when the climax happens and she admits about getting the call back to Juilliard and when she talks about getting a job and she's like, I can't wait any longer. I like at least appreciated that more about her character. Right. Because Amos is just very stagnant and he's like too complicit. He doesn't want too much change. And And I also wondered how much was Ben Platt and how much was... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I don't... That's why I'm flatting Amos rather than the pair. Because at least there is some sort of character growth for Rebecca Diane. I mean, I'm going to do a... I'm agreeing with you. That is a flat for me, is Amos. Slight flat on Molly Gordon taking on too much. I think she took on too much. Mm, okay. I, but she does do the thing that I absolutely love. Because I we didn't really talk about Molly Gordon. I love Molly Gordon. I I loved her as AAA in Booksmart. I, she breaks my heart in The Bear as Claire... But she does this thing in The Bear and in this movie where she whisper talks, and it is so sad and heartbreaking. Like, anytime she whisper talks, it's really, like, heartbreaking. So that is why I'm not giving her a full flat. She gets a half a flat, but... She's just slightly out of tune. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, she's out of tune. Um, But but Amos gets a double flat, in my opinion. Um, And my other flat is for the demolition that started immediately 
I was like, we could have figured out a different ending to the scene. Yeah. Uh, my flat is it's not so much of a flat as a, you know, it should have continued on, but I wanted more of backstory on certain characters. This movie is 99 minutes on the button. This movie could have been two hours, in my opinion. I, I wonder wanted... how much they filmed. Because, like, you know how Christopher Guest, he films, like, 60-plus hours? Yeah. And then I... whittles it down to an hour and a half? Yeah, I wish there was at least an extra 10 minutes of Janet doing more theater stuff. That felt flat to me. I felt like she didn't have enough. No, uh, I, I think she I think she did, because that whole mask scene and then figuring out what stage combat is but i wanted her to do like like different genres i wanted her to do like like pantomime kabuki i wanted her to do but then but then also clive actually during the campfire scene being like what do you do here what are you doing here (laughs) like that was that i felt she had enough i mean i i guess i could agree with you a little more screen time for io because she's so funny it's also it also goes into the fact that there's the agent kid the kid who is trying to be i'm this close to signing dollar i'm this i wanted him to be like spying on janet more so that like it made sense in the end why he's like you're gonna join my agency that he calls her out first of all being like i under i know you're lying Right. me. <laughs> yeah, because like also that kid, I wanted more of him. That fell flat too because we got like four scenes with him. I wanted more of him because then we could have got into his whole scheme, which I think is the only reason he wants Janet is because she is an adult and she can like co-sign on a on an office space and lie her ass off as well. Right. I so, love like, I love that scene with Alan and Rita, where. Mm-hmm. Where she's like, you have to go to dance class, and he's on the phone all the time. Like, like, talk about treating the kids like adults. Like that kid acted like an adult the whole movie. Like some sort of, I we've seen this agent stereotype and other or trope. trope. But it's usually an adult. It's, it's usually, usually an adult. And to have a kid play it, I honestly believed it. Like yeah. I didn't think he was pretending. Like, like you know how like people pretend and uh they uh the kids are like overacting or something like no i actually believed he did he get darla the 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 nickelodeon movie or the disney movie i wouldn't be surprised because like that is never addressed of how she got it i wish it was like alan got me this role all right do you have any other flats yeah, my final flat is I I felt like um the the whole ending of the movie how it just ends with with like what happens to everyone. Christopher Guest movies at least show it. I would have liked for them to like cut into the future of what happens. I thought this movie was fine as is. There's like a little thing. I just want to make sure that add, the, like, the camp does succeed. Johnny, I just want to make sure that the camp matter though. It that does matter. <laughs> it doesn't. The story is done. This, it's really like, I mean, yes, we're using camp as uh, as a setting, and it's like the most conflict and everything. But like, I feel like it's 
about the characters and about yeah, and them. I just want I just want Troy to succeed. I just want to make sure that we actually see Tim give him that check for a hundred and fifty thousand or however much it is to save the camp. I just need to know because I want to make sure that Carolyn Krauss does not win. But it's not important. It's not that important. It is to me, damn it. To you it is, but in the grand scheme... I had to listen to Maria Menounos laugh. It is important. Whatever. (laughs) Let's get into Sharps. Um, Yeah. musical. Except for that one song. Give me that one song. Okay, I will give you that one song. I'll say from the Wall Street beat through the rest of the musical. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, I sharped how they didn't harp on the fact that camp is a safe space. Yes, Noah Galvin kind of does touch on it, but he never really says those words. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, but I really appreciated that and that, like, clearly, they, especially in scenes with like uh, the the mixer with Lakeside, mm-hmm. um, you see that these are theater kids and these are they're yeah very... because they're wearing whatever clothes they want and the lakeside kids are white polo shirts matching khakis matching tennis skirts the three then... the three boys that are getting together are wearing the same thing but in different prints yeah i loved that <laughs> i also love uh so the the kid who is uh uh sebastian's friend who sings the high note in in uh defying gravity oh uh luke islam the one that's in 13 and also from america's got talent and he is also from mighty ducks game changers oh i didn't see that he is the new goldberg he is the goalie of i understand because he's seven feet tall yeah (laughs) yeah and i think he's like 14 (laughs) <laughs> i love when he goes you're not gonna cut me off during my uh adina well so here's here's the thing in 13 the musical he has such a he has a smaller part than in this one and i was very happy to see that he got more screen time because like he he's gonna be he's going places to quote to be to be alan for a hot second He's, I see him like blowing up. Yeah. Um, I think, he, I think he's he'll be chops. a James Englehart type. Yeah. Something like playing the genie and like Aladdin. Yeah. 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 Or, or, um, I can't think of anything else. I, th- I see him though doing more like this type of movie. Yeah. Where it's, I, I'm thinking of like Broadway. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, he could easily be a Dewey Flynn in School of Rock. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Beetlejuice. Any I don't I don't any know Alex Brightman role. Back to my sharps though. I am also sharpening like the long game that they're playing with Jones still, where mm-hmm. like everything you see prior to the performance is in the performance. Yep. Um I also want to sharp the line where theater people we know how to turn cardboard into gold because that is that is. Yep. <laughs> um, I I'm also sharpening all the theater isms. Like the 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 tear stick moment was so funny. Yeah, that got me. I was like so funny. As well as 
to uh, another scene highlighting Luke Islam when he when they do like the drug deal of buying throat coat. Oh yeah, the, this my is God, that is so funny. He's like, it was five dollars. It's always been. I was like, I was done. Um, and then I also want to give a sharp to Vivian Sachs who plays Lainey because she's the the little tech kid and deadpan. So funny though. Even when she says that was amazing. <laughs> yes. She is great. I think I, I mean I'm I could I I I I think I'm also going to sharp all the kids. And I can't believe I'm saying that. Because these kids understood what they were doing. And it's interesting to see how theater camps changed over 20 years or the perception of theater camps have changed over 20 years because seeing the it's changed but it hasn't changed yeah but like you're seeing the campers in camp versus in this and these these are theater kids and then in, in camp like yeah they're theater kids but like they're not overly theater kids if that makes any right. sense if you know what I mean. With the exception of one in camp. With the exception of one. Well, yeah, I mean, there's always one, but like yeah. there there it has to be some some sort of treadsetter. Yeah. So my sharps, jumping on to the the tear stick. In addition to that, you said that that entire scene, what got me my sharp is when they're like apologize to Devin. He's like, it's okay. It's okay. Like, like Devin not knowing what is going on. That kid gets a sharp for me especially when he's like when he's playing football it's like they dared me they they didn't think that any theater kid could throw a football and i had to do it for us that kid was amazing that kid is sharp um noah galvin of course i'm giving him like three sharps because oh that, yeah especially the tap dance scene when because these kids are incredible and for him to be a 25 year old 27 year old keeping up with these kids who have you know the energy and the metabolism amazing job and doing the his girl friday talking of ah you'll see <laughs> i do want to i i, I want to give the actor his credit as well so devin is played by donovan colon just want to shout out the kid's name you know yep another sharp that i had in addition to jones still the musical past women can't read um I have to say that the entire set design, they literally made gold out of cardboard for that entire production. Um, Jimmy Tatro gets a sharp. Nathan Lee Graham gets a sharp. Even at times, Ben Platt is sharp when he is after he's flat. Like, I will say the scene between him and, and Rebecca Diane making up, that is a great scene. Well, also, by the way, Jimmy Tatro was also an executive producer on this part of the reason that all of the actors are executive producers on it because all of the main actors nathan lee graham i believe is one caroline aaron they did that so that they can get percentages of the box office and the streaming no it's so it's only noah galvin molly gordon uh nick lieberman because he's been attached to everything else ben platt jimmy tatro and that's really it in terms of people in the cast so that is done for jimmy tatro is because he is the second lead of the movie and they probably couldn't pay him a ton so they they defer they him, give to him a, a, a executive producer credit as well so that he can get some money back in, in the the points for when it you know makes sales on streaming and stuff like that my final sharp 
is the Marvel credits teaser after the credits when did you stay for that where Amy Sedaris wakes up oh yeah and she's like don't give don't, don't... give Troy the camp <laughs> who was no idea I... okay that also shows how conceited credited. everyone at camp is that they don't recognize that it's not Amy Sedaris well when you when you see her she's laying down so you don't see the face or anything but you can see the hair yeah, kind of, but like... I mean, not even the fact that it's curly. It's like Amy's... They're Sedaris, using the a bedsheet for fuck's sake as a as a project, like to project... Yeah, 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 I know. But yeah, and uh, Nathan Lee Graham gets my final sharp as Clive. Because incredible, just an incredible performance. I've had choreography teachers like that. Like, just amazing. And when they're doing the the... Is it story time or performance time for the, oh, the kids going uh, to sleep? Bedtime performances. Yeah, when when he does the Fosse and does his entire performance as interpretive dance, it reminded me a lot of Robin Williams in like The Birdcage. See, and I loved Rita when she was reading someone's memoir and then was like, because she was non-union. Like, like it was a horror story. <laughs> so funny uh would you add any of the songs to your life's playlist i don't think Uh, so no i mean not life's playlist but like you know a depression playlist like a sad playlist if i need to cry like i used to have playlists when i was an actor that would make me cry if i need to cry i would put sun salutation on there understandable like to get you into the right headspace yeah so i don't need a a a stick a tear stick yeah um and on that note, Scotty, we're done with the episode. Yeah. We wow, finally did you. it. Thank you for having me. I could uh, talk about this movie. For hours, movie. I know. Yeah. And so can I, but we can't because no, I know. then I won't have listeners. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you have to plug or promote? So I've been on hiatus for Writer's Bagel Basket. I, I didn't tell anyone uh, I had to deal with. My brother got married. Um so I was planning that, and I thought I could do Bagel Basket, Hell is a Musical, and Be Best Man, and that was stupid of me. Bagel Basket is coming back in mid-September. Um, Hell is a Musical is still going on now. We have our Moulin Rouge episode coming out in a few weeks. Um, I think Lils will like this ep- this movie. Not knowing her, never she, meeting her. She might, because it's very much Guffman. She might like this. Yeah. Um, and it's also like very light on the musical. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you want Lil's on, ask her to be on for. I've been trying to get you to bring her on. <laughs> it's my responsibility. Because <laughs> you know her. I didn't know her. <laughs> you didn't know me and you reached out to me. Yeah. So, and I was trying to get the two of you. Okay. Were, I'm praying. Okay. All right. On this podcast, I will come back for. I mean, I, I, I'm, I know I'm coming I, back by I myself. Have, I have a proposal for you, by the way, that we'll talk later. Okay. I will say on air, in a few months, I will bring Lils to do Okay. Okay. okay? All right. Figure that out. Um, but, okay, so Brighton's uh, Basket is coming back. It's a musical. And When Scary Met Stabby is my miniseries that I do every October with Christopher Brown from um Nickelbacking and Old Man Yell at Clouds podcast. We do a different theme every Halloween. The first was our favorite Halloween movies. Last season we did 
family friendly horror. And this year we're doing slow burn horror of movies that are scary as shit, but it takes a while to build to that. Look, that, I'm looking forward to that. So you can find all all of us, all of those podcasts on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, we're trying to leave Twitter, which is called X now, which I don't get. Uh, but we'll be on Thread. <laughs> I don't. I I promote it. I never use Twitter. Yeah. Um, speaking of promoting, if you want to talk more about theater camp. Or what was the thing that? Oh, if you know what that one show was that they talk about in the in the uh, reveal, uh, the the show announcements, uh, you can email me at butasongpod at gmail dot com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter slash X, and TikTok at butasongpod. Tell me your theater camp stories. I would love to hear them. And if you want to be part of next episode's conversation, well, we're going to be doing the second chance of Teen Witch. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah. So good. Uh yep. Scotty, thank you for coming back on and finally talking about this movie. Yes. Yay! Thank you. Yeah, it took so long. I'm sorry, Johnny. It wasn't in Massachusetts. It wasn't playing opening weekend of the the 14th or 21st. It's or more on the movie the the theater industry than the movie theater industry than anything. Yeah. Well, this is how I know you and I are becoming best friends because at the same time you and I said why didn't it go to Hulu? <laughs> like it's Fox Searchlight. It should have gone to Hulu right away. I mean, you do the select theaters, so this way you get the box office and the everything. But then put it on Hulu like the next week or something like that. Yeah. But do thank you, you for having me. <laughs> yeah, no problem. And everyone, thank you for listening. And bye for now. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day. <laughs>